of it in old New York. If I can make it there, I'll make it anywhere. It's up to you, New York, New York. Hello. And welcome to a very interesting episode of Gale Boys. This is part two of our uh, Pride Month special. Uh, Jordan will not be joining us today. Um, he has some other commitments, and uh, he also did go see The Flash last night. And I think the poor man poor has. Man. Yeah, uh, we, we will be doing an episode on that, guaranteed. So keep an eye out. But today we're joined by an old friend of mine. This is his first time on the show, Mr. Kyle from North Carolina. How are you doing today? Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, would you like to intro yourself so people can know who you are and you want to give some details about yourself? Uh, my name's Kyle. I'm originally from Michigan. I spent a couple of years in Connecticut and now I'm living in North Carolina. Leanne and I know each other through camp and then various other interactions. <laughs> um, I am currently engaged to my fiance and I'm glad to be on the show. Oh, congratulations uh, on that engagement, but let's get into the headlines. Let's just get right into this bullshit. Do it live! Fuck it! Our first topic today, um, it's pretty much the, the biggest news. Well, I mean, I don't think it's the biggest news story anymore, but the Titan Titanic sub, which um, at the time of recording this, they have found uh, pieces of the sub near the site, so they're all dead. Um, they won't be finding those bodies. Those no, bodies no, no exist. they are. Uh, you know, it, it, it's probably for the best that it imploded because if they were stuck down there for four days, farting, shitting, and pooping in that thing, it would have been hell on earth. That would have been the worst. And apparently, thing. it also would have played the opening bars to "My Heart Will Will Go On" on a on a loop. Oh god. But uh, no, the explosion it, is far more merciful. Oh, it's such a wild story. Like especially what's been coming out after um, after all this has happened. The CEO of this company openly, like the two red flags are, he was bragging that his ship wasn't properly certified for safety, and he also like he's like, I like to hire young people because old people are you know out of date. A.K. These experienced dudes come to me and say, this is insane what you're doing. Like. <laughs> Young people don't talk shit about my business. Like, and yeah, for some reason, the youngest person on that thing said, this seems like a really bad idea. Let's not do this. Hmm, a touchscreen only controls with a fucking Xbox controller. I wonder... Um, <laughs> what could go wrong? Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, but um, the, now the thing that I think is the more fun part about this, and this is something that's sort of been... Because, you know, with all the jokes and all the memes, it's, it's ridiculous. And no offense, I feel bad for these people dying, but you did pay... $250,000 to go down to see what is ostensibly it like it's a gravesite that thing most people didn't get off the ship there are people oh, yeah. and, like and most of the Titanic has deteriorated at this point there's not much left of it necessarily oh no like, they've already brought up all the valuables so oh uh, that thing has that thing point. has a new body count man like like over 110 years later the shit has claimed more lives so <laughs> yeah maybe we should just by the way, my, my dad made a joke, and I actually believed him, just to go off topic here. My dad said, oh, by the way, when they found this, uh, the piece of the sub, they also found pieces of the missing Malaysia Airlines flight. And I fucking <laughs> believed him, because, well, come on. <laughs> but it was like, I believed him for a second, but it was like, you know, he was just bullshitting me. But, I mean, this story is so goddamn nuts that, yeah, you would think that. But here's the thing that really intrigues me about this. This has nothing to do with the actual um, 
the actual ship. It's the stepson of the billionaire who passed away on the ship. Uh, his name is. Well, Brian. It's apparently a massive Blink One Eighty Two fan. Oh man, we're gonna get into this. So, <laughs> so he posts how the story broke was he was posting like it came from him. He's posting, "My father has gone missing. Please pray for me." And you know. Not even an hour after he posts that, he posts a picture on Facebook of him at a concert. And I'm going to read the post here. <clears throat> Quote, It might be tasteful being here, but my family would want me to be at the Blink-182 show. And it's my favorite band and music helps me through these difficult times. And I should also point out, he tagged all of the members in Blink-182. So I think he wanted backstage passes or something. He wanted a pity party for himself. And he's still posting. I don't know. He's He's been on a roll. He's been posting like 10 things a day. Like, really, this is borderline sociopathic behavior. Your stepfather's dead, and you're just... One of the tweets he also wrote was like, also, ladies, I'm single. Like, good God, man. Isn't he on some sort of list, and that's why he couldn't fly out there? Oh, oh, there's a story. So apparently, I uh, did some more digging on this guy. He has been harassing female DJs in the EDM community. He actually served time in jail for it. Like, he would stalk and harass women. So he's a he's a character, this dude. He's the asshole son of a billionaire, so you can imagine. Not a nice guy to begin with, but that's hilarious. That's so goddamn funny to me. Just posting oh, yeah. your way through your grief, which... Um, but, I mean, uh, I've done that, but not. I haven't asked Blink-182 for concert tickets. No, no he wanted backstage passes, I think. Which, of course, by the way, no, I'm not a particularly in touch with like modern music i had no idea blink 182 was still around i thought like did they break up like 10 15 years ago well weren't they gonna headline fire festival oh they were gonna headline the fire festival <laughs> oh wow and then even they're like yeah fuck this we're out well they saw the like okay first of all this place doesn't have running water and we're shitting in buckets this is like they saw the red flags pretty damn quickly so they they backed out like two hours before the people got there Oh, God, that guy's so lucky no one died at that fucking thing. If someone was killed or raped, oh, he would, he'd be in prison. Because he's out of jail now, Bill McFarlane. Oh, yeah, and apparently he's trying it again. God bless him, because you know what? If you're going to give this guy money, that's your fault. <laughs> it's like, well, I mean... You, you know. At this point, you're literally asking for it. Yeah, at this point, it. you're liable for his bullshit. But let's, let's get into some international stuff here. There was a coup attempt in Russia. Um... Uh, basically, Putin found out giving a bunch of psycho mercenaries a whole bunch of guns uh, creates warlords, as if, you know, history hasn't taught us. If, if you look at any African civil war, you're like, hmm, you know, warlords are a thing that happens when governments give psychos money. Basically, to sum it up, it would be like if Hitler rebelled against Idi Amin. Yeah, pretty much. No one wins in this scenario. No, it's, uh, but it's it's quite amazing because the guy who's, uh, he was the chief of the, uh, Wagner, um, the Wagner group, which is the uh, the mercenaries that, that, that were in charge of this. Um, now, it's actually a fun story. I've seen, I, I sometimes watch Infowars occasionally just to shit and giggle. Uh, they've been running oh. ads for this mercenary company out in Russia, which is fucking nuts that like an American propaganda network will run a, an ad for, for basically Russian Blackwater. Like, holy shit. I'm surprised Alex Jones is still living in the U.S. at this point. Oh, he'll, he'll get... He, 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 I feel like he'll leave soon. Go a billion dollars, you know, and you're, you're publicly be scrutinized by a bankruptcy court. I would flee the U.S. very, very soon. But, oh, I, this, the history of this guy is so amazing. He, um, he was a failed athlete. He went to jail for starting an armed, for starting a robbery gang. 
And um, he was a hot dog vendor in the 90s, the guy who had this. Uh, Rogosian. Hot no dog wonder if he liked him so much. <laughs> he used his hot dog money to start his own mercenary group. And I know he's desperate at this point because this has been going on way longer than I think anyone anticipated it to. Because <laughs> this was supposed to be over in like, what, two goddamn months? Two weeks, I think. Two weeks. Oh, also... The I think even the American mainstream media was like, oh, yeah, Russia, Ukraine's going to fall in two weeks. And I was like, after a year. Oh, man. This summer's... Wait, is Russia losing badly at this point? I don't even know. There's so much fucking... There's so much goddamn misinformation and bullshit coming up from those ends. You don't really know. We, we, we'll, we'll get a good post-mortem once it's over. But right now, I take everything I read about what's going on there with a great assault. Also, one more thing about this guy who headed this coup attempt. Um, in 2003, he served uh, George W. Bush's guard while he went on a tour in Russia. So this dude was connected and decided to do some... He basically decided to do Julius... Try to Julius Caesar his way into power. And, um, well, <laughs> it didn't work, it seems. Cause he's going to have to stay on the ground floor oh, forever. Oh, he's... <laughs> if they haven't, if they haven't caught him yet. I haven't been reading much because, again, there's so much fucking things here. But... It, Apparently they came to a peaceful solution. A peaceful solution, aka we 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 threatened to kill their families. A peaceful solution in Russia is long fall out of a tall window. God damn it! Just read any part of Russian history. Like it's all bloodshed and violence. Like right, right since the Romanovs, the revolution. Like it's a fucking bloodshed. Their history. When they wanted to kill Rasputin, they cut his dick off. For God's sakes, these are violent people. It'll be interesting to see where this goes. If we'll see more uh, more breakdowns of the. Russian military because i feel like this would be like a romanov style end for him they take him out into a basement and just shoot him dead Putin does seem like panicked at this point oh, because nothing yeah. is going well for him oh fuck yeah it's it's i mean he's been the country's been isolated for a year they don't even have fucking adidas they can't even buy tracksuits anymore over there the poor bastards like, i think the only country that's talking to him is north korea and china which is Oh, that's a... And even China's just like, eh. Oh, that's a blunt rotation right there. Xi Jinping, Putin, and fucking Kim Jong-un in a room together smoking a blunt. <laughs> God damn. I want to end uh, our new segment on a bit more of a positive note before we get into the meat of the show. Um, This is white trash shit kicker bullshit we're about to talk about here. So... For those who don't live in America, because we have quite a few listeners that don't live in America, uh, there's these two congresswomen, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, who are, I I think the most, uh, the nicest way I could describe to them is what if trailer trash wore a pantsuit? These are, these are rednecks. These are just shit kickers, these two. And they, they're trolls. They're trolls, but they're also like, Marjorie Taylor Greene has all of the trademarks of a woman in a trailer park who reads Facebook all day. And tells you about, like, she'll accidentally quote, like, the, the protocols of the elders of Zion. Because she doesn't even know what that is. Yeah. And you know how she got into Congress, right? Oh, yeah. Her, her fucking, the person she was running against had to back out. Dude, I think there's some family problems, which is deeply. Oh, no, it was because her supporters harassed him so much. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> that's so sad. Yeah. Oh, that's QAnon. That's, that's QAnon shit for you. Yeah, she's also, she'll say she's not into QAnon, but she just still is. Uh, but... No believes that a missile hit the Pentagon. Yep, missile hit the Pentagon. Uh, they had a massive fight on the uh, the floor of the house, and um, oh, it, it! I wish I could hear the the audio of it because there's only like transcripts, but like I know one of the thing was uh, you know she, she said, called Marjorie Taylor Greene called her a little bitch. No, no, she and said when you... she was asked about it, she confirmed it, saying that was remarkably accurate reporting. Oh, she said it like you little bitch. 
You don't even know what motor goes in a stock 74 duster. You've never even had to crush your cans for rent. Like, just, this is redneck shit. Like, just so funny because the reason they were fighting is due to, they're trying to pen a bill to impeach Joe Biden. And the reason she was pissed off is they want to go with Lauren's bill instead of her. This is all about ego. This is just having their name on this bill of impeachment that's going to go goddamn nowhere. It, it's all about ego for them because apparently when Lauren Bober was interviewed by MSNBC, of all things, during a commercial break, she asked, so how can I get a job on this show after I leave Congress? <laughs> Play the long game, baby. I like that. I like that. They just want attention. They don't care about, like, the actual job itself. Uh, no. I'd be amazed if they even know how to write it. Like, they bring in bills. The shit's written in crayon. It's like, fuck... <laughs> But isn't she married to a sex offender, too? Didn't he, like, expose Oh, no, they're getting a divorce. But also, I think her son, who's, I think, like, 15 or 16, got a girl pregnant. Oh, wow. (laughs) I told you, white trash. This is is white trash shit. This is... And her um, open carry bar was shut down. Oh, (laughs) what? (laughs) Yeah, she owns a bar where people open carry, and it got shut down by the landlord. Well, yeah, I feel like... (laughs) Landlords strike again. God damn it. The landlords have gone woke. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, but no, it's just it's just such a great, like, these people hate each other. That's kind of the thing that I'm not scared of any of these hardcore right-wing guys in power. Because they'll fucking hate each other. They'll all kill each other the minute. If they do oh, get yeah, Kevin there, McCarthy, he has no control over the Oh, man, I Congress. feel so bad for him. Like, I, I hate to feel bad It took for him 15 him. times to vote him in. I feel so bad for him because he has created this, um, he is the one doctor trying to control the mental institution. And I, I, I know I shouldn't feel bad for him, but it is like, you gotta have some empathy for a dude who's just, I am in a room full of fucking lunatics. Like, and he's trying to get them to stop doing that, uh, that groomer shit, because even Peter Thiel's sick of it now, and we did a whole episode. Peter Thiel is a, definitely a closeted man. That's all about what the Gawker lawsuit was about. Because they had, oh, absolutely. yeah, he's just because he knows that if this shit goes through, they're coming after me. So, <laughs> yeah. And remember, Lauren Bowe's husband flashed it. Yeah, that's, girls, that, that's what I meant. Which is, yeah, I'm a groomer. I'm a groomer. God damn, it's just <laughs> redneck shit. But Every accusation is a confession. Unfortunately, help with pride. Happy Pride Month, but. Yeah, let them, let them fight. Um, I, we joked on this pod, but America is heading towards its, its years of lead phase where there's going to be so much bloodshed in the street. Like, the presidential election is going to be a fucking bloodbath next year. I'm calling it. There's going to be violence. Oh, I just want to see um, Chris Christie debate Trump because he seems to be the only one that's, like, calling out Trump. Well, I'm down for that. I, I want to see the DeSantis-Trump debate. If if Trump can even run for president by the end of, uh, by the, end of the year, because... Oh man, it's it, this is it's. Trump can actually debate. DeSantis can just use a script and panics whenever he goes uh, off of it. Yeah. No one, not even the filmmakers, deny that Cruising is a brutally violent movie. William Friedkin, the writer and director of the movie, has made a lot of violent films, including The Exorcist and The French Connection. The difference is that this time around, gays are the victims of the violence, and gays are worried that it will give people dangerous ideas. Earlier today, Transamerica tried to reassure the gay community by setting up a special screening of Cruisin'. Forty prominent local gays saw the movie, but apparently the screening did not have the desired effect. Every day in this city, dozens of gay people are beaten up, come close to being murdered. This film not only exaggerates that, it is almost an incitement to go out and murder people. We are not asking for Transamerica to withdraw this film from San Francisco. We're asking for them to withdraw it from 
uh, circulation from, from the country. I think it would be smart of the company who produces to just do the country a service and withdraw it. But I wouldn't say withdraw something from a point of view of censorship, from a point of view of extremely poor taste. It's a piece of crap. All right, enough enough talk about politics. Look, for Pride Month, we didn't want to do... We just, you know, because we did Happy Together last episode, which is one of the more downer episodes we've done. So we decided to do something a little more sleazy, a little more exploitative, if you will. So we're talking about fucking Cruising, the 1980 film written and directed by William Friedkin, starring Al Pacino. And this movie's got a fucking reputation for pretty clear reasons. Uh, you watched it last night. Um, I've seen it multiple times. Um, there, there's a lot to to take away from this one. The one thing I noticed was that, to sum it up, 80s New York gay scene sucked. Oh, this movie is New York and 80s as fuck. This is... And, yeah, so this movie is... It has a reputation for a number of reasons. Um, it's based on a novel by uh, Gerald Walker. Um, and um, this movie, when it was being made, was protested. Uh, it was very famously, there's a lot of news stories you can see at the time of people protesting. During the premiere, they had to have 300 police officers on the street. Oh, the gay community oh, hated it. Oh, well, I mean, you have to remember. So the reason this is interesting is also the time this movie was made. Uh, this was made, it was made, it was filmed in 1979, and this is right after, in California, Dan White gets off double murder for five years. Uh, if you've ever looked up the Twinkie defense, if you don't know, Dan White was the man who killed Harvey Milk and the mayor of San Francisco, uh, and got off uh, uh, five years in prison and served two of them, and people were fucking pissed. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, he ended up killing himself when he got out of jail, so it's not like it was a, a huge loss. No great like, loss. It's like double murder, five years. God damn. Like premeditated. He snuck in, brought a gun, everything. But yeah, so this was a very, this was a very turbulent time for the gig community. Um, and this. And AIDS was right around the corner. Oh, I think it was already happening. I do think this movie, it doesn't, I don't think it's as offensive as I remember it being, but it's definitely an exploitation film. Let's not mince words. This is, this is a story. Oh, absolutely. Oh, this is, this Like, is, even the stuff they show in the movie is exploitation. Oh, the scene where it's a cop night and they're all gyrating on each other to horror music. It's fucking nuts, that scene. Gimps and jockstraps galore. Oh, it's like. It, it made me think of like Eight Millimeter, the uh, the Nick Cage movie, where uh, you have right. a machine who like you know kidnaps children off the street. But the actual how this got made is fascinating. So the reason Freakin wanted to do this, um, well, he was actually trying to. They were trying to get him to do this for a long time. Um, in fact, I know at one point Steven Spielberg was almost going to do this movie, which that would have been fucking weird. Can you imagine a Spielberg version of Cruising? Oh God! Oh man be awesome fuck yeah i think that would have been his bleakest thing ever beyond schindler's list oh <laughs> but um so the reason freaking finally relented and decided to do this film was uh this is the most insane like connection of things i've ever seen so when he was making the exorcist um there's a scene in the movie where uh they're doing a uh they're doing an x-ray on uh, reagan they're doing a radiology exam and there is a nurse in. He's an extra in the film. His name is Paul Bateson. Um, he was yeah. a he was a nurse. Um, he was actually a very well regarded technician at the hospital he worked at. In 1979, 
he killed a man. He killed a journalist by the name of Addison Farrell, who was a journalist. He was an industry journalist, uh, wrote for uh, wrote for a couple places, uh, took him home and brutally killed him, like stabbed him, strangled him. It was a fucking horrible scene, apparently killed the shit out of him. And some guy wrote about this murder. Uh, one of his friends who was also a journalist, wrote about the murder, trying to profile who did it. And he ended up uh, Bateson ends up calling this journalist and tells him in detail how he killed him in excruciating detail, um, how he met him that night, how he did this and did that. And he was arrested because, you know, you called and basically confessed to a murder. So the cops are going to take notice of that. Uh, he's sentenced to uh, twenty minimum of 20 years in prison. He ended up getting paroled in 2003. Um, but the thing that caught the attention of everyone was while he was waiting for his trial, he confessed to killing six other men uh, in the New York area. Now, this was called the Bag Murders, which was from 1975, 1977. There were a series of, they found a bunch of trash bags floating in the Hudson River of dismembered gay people. And they, were, and they know that because they were wearing all of their leather gear and everything. And he confessed right. to doing that. Now, I don't think he did it because... He was in Rikers Island, which is a very notorious prison. If you don't know what Rikers Island is, um, bad place. If you're a gay man, you go to Rikers Island, you're a fucking target. So you got to scare the shit out of the, the people. Like, I cut people up and kill them. Yeah. But, and yeah, he, so he's an extra in the fucking exorcist. This goddamn lunatic who killed this man. And William yep. Freakin is, goes and visits him in prison. He goes to visit him. And I don't know what they talk about because right after William Freakin is game to go do this movie. He wants to do this film. And I think there is a bit of a, a weird fascination of like, holy shit, like this guy I worked with um, <laughs> basically did what the killer in this movie does. Apparently he was released on parole in 2003 and he was removed from parole in 2008 and nobody knows if he's alive or dead. Uh, probably back in prison or probably somewhere. I don't know. I can't find any information about where. Although apparently, um, at least from the Social Security Death Index, someone named Paul Bateson with the same birthday um, did die on September 15th, 2012, so he might be dead. That'd be interesting because his Wikipedia page has not been updated. But I mean, if, if it's not him, that poor bastard. Yeah. I did not kill a man in 1979. God damn it. <laughs> but, uh, fuck. But yeah, so the, the pretty, pretty interesting shoot. Um, the, the shoot's actually kind of more interesting than the movie because um, now Freakin' at the time was friends with a local crime boss, Marty the Horse who was um, high up in the Genovese crime family, which is one of the five families of New York. I just love that back in the 70s, you could be a, a Hollywood filmmaker and also be friends with a goddamn murderer. You know, a fucking mobster who's, who's definitely ordered killings, done some bad shit. And, oh, the mafia uh, controlled New York City. Oh, they controlled You couldn't those, get anything done without their permission. Oh, they controlled those gay bars. All those gay oh, bars absolutely. were owned by the mobsters because it's a lucrative business. Who gives a shit? Like, oh, you know. As long they, as they paid, they didn't care. Made shitloads of money, man, and uh, that's why they got. That's why there were so many raids on local gay bars. It's such an easy target, you know, too. Yeah. And you know, there's coke in there. You know, there's shit in there you could prosecute some guys with because coke. Oh, the amount of drugs at those gay bars would be enough to make a cartel blush. Jesus Christ! But Pacino and freaking did not like working with each other. There's, they hate no. each other making this movie. Pacino felt, uh, he felt this process of the, he felt as he had lost the I don't give of... a flying fuck into a rolling donut. 
about what Al Pacino thinks. Is that an answer to your question, Greg? Yeah, it's the straightest answer I could... Uh... I cared a lot, for example, about what Tommy Lee Jones thought, because this guy was a brilliant, professional, prepared actor. Mm -hmm. And he would think about his character more than the director, more than me. He would come to the set with absolutely brilliant ideas. And I don't feel the same about Pacino. And this is a weird point period in Pacino's career because it, Scarface is kind of the turning point for him where uh, Scarface was like, that. after that, like something happened. I think he just did so much fucking blow and destroyed his brain. Because pre-Scarface Pacino and post-Scarface Pacino are two completely different actors. They don't even feel like the same person. Yeah, this is after the Godfather movies, or at least the first two, I believe. Yeah, there's, he did some it's other... It's kind of in that weird sandwich area between his two biggest films. Yeah. The other thing about this is uh, the reason also that he wanted to go film at these gay bars is... Um, now, this film, uh, it took he had to go to the MPA board 50 times to re-edit the film because... This is one of the reasons this film's so famous. There is a reported 40 minutes of hardcore gay porn that Freakin' was filming when he went to these clubs. He would just go in rooms and film people getting fisted and, you know, fucked in the ass and just, just would, just would say, just would bring this to the MPA. Like, hey, is this good? And like, no. I wonder if the people who was filming knew what he was doing. I don't know how much of this was consensual because this, this movie's pretty, this is one of those pretty like down and grimy fucking movies that I feel like. Like, particularly all that stuff in the club where they're gyrating on each other. I have no idea how many of those people actually consented to be filmed while doing that. Is the I, guy getting fisted? Oh, I don't... Maybe. That's one of the craziest fucking things I've... Not since Caligula have I seen a film where a man is just fisted openly in a movie. It's fucking insane. Let me see his lube. Oh, man. You, oh, man. Could you imagine? <laughs> um, yeah, so 40 minutes of hardcore gay porn. Um, and they had to re-edit the film 50 times. To get it already. It cost uh, 50 grand. Yeah. Well, apparently this had to, this was something that a lot of directors would do where you would film this really extreme shit knowing it would be cut so that way you can have the more, uh, the more extreme stuff. Scorsese does this a lot with Casino. There was stuff that he filmed knowing it would be cut. We had kind of a similar gruesome taste. He called me up one day, Spike, I want to see you something. I want to show you something. And it was Goodfellows. There's a scene where they had the guy's head in the vice. He was showing me something new he's had to cut out. <laughs> because in the scene, his eyes pop out out of the, his head. And, and it's funny. Me and Mario are dying laughing in the back. Look at that! Look at that! <laughs> We're like, oh, they're not going to let you do that. He's like, no, I know. That's what you see. But I have to cut it out. <laughs> I mean... We are that type of, uh, 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 you might say dark humor, but I said, how'd you do that? He said, special effects, Spike, special effects. So he'd just be like, all right, well, I can keep this in, because if this is so fucking horrible, then they'll let me, they'll let me keep this at least. You know? I know uh, back in like 2008, he tried to get the footage back for a re-release, and Warner Brothers just lost the footage. It's gone. It's forever, um... Yeah, Friedkin does believe that, um, they destroyed the footage. I would, I've... I think, um, I mean, I'm mixed on the idea. I understand of, why they did. I mean, uh, why do we have 40 minutes of Al Pacino watching another guy blow another guy? I mean, that'd be awesome footage to see, though. Because it's been debated for years. Like, 
James Franco did a whole bad documentary about it, and there's an amazing video with Freakin talking about how much he fucking hates James Franco, which has aged even better now than it did back then. Uh, James Franco made that film, and he, he sent it to me uh, on my iPad. He actually called me. I had heard that James Franco was trying to reimagine the 40 minutes or so that I had cut out of cruising. After several weeks, he called me. I had, I've never met him. But he got my number and he, we spoke on the phone and he said, you know, I'm trying to do uh, a film about the missing 40 minutes of cruising. I said, yeah, I heard that. And he said, what were the missing 40 minutes? I said, aren't you shooting this film? He said, yeah, I'm almost done. I said, why are you calling me now? The thing about this movie too, the actual like movie itself is this movie is, I'm, I don't know how much of that footage is actual porn because 40 minutes to be cut from a movie is a lot. Like, but I also think like there's a good amount of like some stuff, other stuff was cut because this movie feels really weird. Like there's stuff that like characters will just leave the movie. Plots won't get resolved. Well, Friedkin jumps back and forth between saying that, that the 40 minutes has no effect on the story of the characterizations. And in other interviews, he'll say it creates mysterious twists and turns that the film no longer takes. I believe it. And also it sets up, it gives more hints as to regarding the ending of the movie where it's possible that Al Pacino's character was the killer I the think whole he's time. the killer. And I have theories okay. as to why, because the way the film is edited very specifically, after every murder, we show Pacino walking out of the, uh, walking home to go fuck his wife. Because I guess he has to go, like, after engaging all this gay stuff, he's got to go, like, exercise his demons by fucking his wife. But yep. they, also, also, fun fact, Karen Allen wasn't given the full script, so she didn't know what was happening. God damn, that's, I mean... So her confusion was real. Would she have done it if she had that whole script? I don't think so. I think she's the only woman in the whole movie. Oh, she might be. You're, you're right. She Actually, yeah, she is, pretty much. Way that after every murder, it cuts back to Pacino wearing the the sunglasses and the hat, and he's never seen wearing these items until uh, during those couple shots, which is very yeah. weird. And I think I think he is the killer. I think that's, and it also yeah. adds to one of the things I think I really appreciate this movie. This movie fucking hates cops. This is one of the most anti-cop movies I've ever seen. Every police oh, officer in this movie is an asshole. The gay community and the cops have never liked each other oh. throughout any city. Oh, this movie didn't help either. Because it's but it's also oh, yeah. I it's one of the things that, you know, Freakin is known for these cop movies. Like the the French connection is 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 still also pretty anti cop too. Freakin is is very much loves the idea of like showing the police as just evil fucks who just abuse power. Because that's what all the French connection's about when uh, right. G Gene Hackman chases a man dressed as Santa. That's one of the fucking greatest openings to a movie ever. Just Santa chasing a dude, beating him half to death in an alleyway. Such a bizarre film. Like, and then there's scenes that just make no goddamn sense, even in the context of the movie, when they're interrogating Pacino, and uh, the giant black man comes in to slap Out him of around. nowhere. Oh, like this big yep. Jim Slate dude just comes in and slaps him around. He, Wearing like, only a drop strap. Yeah, he looks like the dude from Kentucky Fried Movie. Yeah, and I'm, even they seem confused. Yeah, it just shows up. And this is why I'm very curious to know what was in that 40 minutes. Because does that guy have a bigger role? Or is it just, hey, we got a big black dude. Let's just have him in here. Also, how do you pitch that to that actor? 
We need you to be in a jockstrap. And then you're just going to slap the shit out of Al Pacino in I the wa- I want to believe that no one was told that this dude just showed up looking like... He's got a fucking cowboy hat on, too, which is just awesome. <laughs> this also, this movie feels very much like the prototype for a slasher film. Like, because that was my first thought when watching this. This feels very much like an original slasher movie. Like, one of the first... Oh, I would consider it a slasher movie. Oh, there's there's there are kills in this. Like, there's that one shot where the knife goes up as the thing is playing in the background in the drive-in, and it's... It is haunting. It is a chilling shot, and the lighting choices... Like, I would say it's more of a Jalo than a slasher film. If y'all don't know what Jalo is, it's the Italian, like, murder mystery kind of stuff. Mario Bava, Dario Argento, those kinds of guys. It feels very much like... And I say that because it's also very experimental with its um, with its structure and the way it approaches story and violence. It's 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 such a yeah. There's really not any other American crime movie that has this kind of look and feel to it. It's so oh yeah, it feels very grimy. Oh yeah, like you can like you feel like you could reach out and touch the grime. That's how grimy it is. Oh yeah, no, it's um, and this is also an interesting point in Freakin's career because uh, this was sort of a. He's in a slump at this point because Sorcerer has just lost like a shitload of money. Uh, if you don't know, Sorcerer was the film that great film, but unfortunately came out the same day Star Wars did, and uh, well, we know what happened there. Oh dear. Oh, it's a great movie though. It's fucking awesome. Uh, amazing Tangerine Dream score. If you've, uh, if you've just listen to the score, oh my god. But there's just so much crazy shit in this. Like, that weird relationship Paul Servino and Al Pacino have. It's like a weird father son type relationship, even though like. It's funny as fuck as Paul Servino was like a year older than Pacino when they made this. It's okay, son. He's patting him on the back and like, like what is going on here? Like, that's what I mean. This movie, fe- I felt like there's so much more to this movie that was just, that just doesn't exist. Like, it's, it's. Yeah, like it felt like there were parts that were cut out where I was like, wait, why is he acting like this? And then you've got the, um, the one guy who they pin the killings on, who just suddenly has a hallucinogenic moment with his dad. Yeah. With his dead dad. That's some weird shit. Yeah. And it's never, and like his dad shows up for one scene. He says, you know what you have to do? And then just disappears. Oh man. Yeah, no, it's just, and that that poor guy, that's something that's also, that's one of the reasons that this is a fuck cops movie is that cops were like, especially in New York, were notorious for doing that. Just, well, we have a serial killer running the street. Let's just pin it on this guy. Because they do that a lot. Like, like My favorite example of that was a Richard Jewell story where like, he did it, he's guilty, and then there's a bombing in an abortion clinic with the exact same MO. And they're like, oh shit, yep. we got the wrong guy. And yeah, cops do this all the goddamn yep. time. Then Clint Eastwood made a movie about that and blamed it on the journalist. I mean, they did. They raked that guy over the coals. It's fucking sad. I know. That poor bastard. The motto of protect and serve is just political reasons, really, at best. And oh, yeah. Protect and serve. The, protect and serve. But not the minorities. This is also interesting because, like, Dress to Kill comes out the same year. Have you ever seen Dress to Kill? I have not. It is the uh, Brian De Palma transgender uh, murder woman movie. It's. Oh. It's fucked up. It's a fucked up movie where Michael Caine is actually like a woman. Although De Palma has come forward and said, "Yeah, I probably should have handled that better than I did." At least he is. It was the eighties. No one knew it how to handle the it. 80s. That's a lot. So much cocaine. So much fucking cocaine was just flowing back then. And there was just cocaine a- and ridiculously promiscuous sex. Oh man! Oh, that that movie's got so much promiscuous sex. There's a scene where uh, the woman just gets fingered in the back of a of a cab and 
the cab driver just doesn't know what to do. He's like, do I stop? Do I watch the? What do I do? It's so goddamn crazy. But I, I do think this is such a such a fucking insane movie. Like, it's so hard to really describe it because, again, there's so many things that just don't make sense. And very hard to... It's more of a movie about tone. It's more of a tone piece to me than an actually, like, coherent story. Because I just... I love the way this movie looks and feels. Like, oh, yeah. every scene of this movie, you're like, you could feel it. Like, just... Every and they go to that that scene that gets me. They're fucking just horror music is playing as all these shirtless men are gyrating. It is. A, oh yeah, and then like it cuts to a gimp several times throughout the movie. Is just standing. Oh, just there. the gimp standing there, like like a fucking golem. It's awesome. Just this scary looking dude. It's always fascinating to watch a movie about gays being made by a straight person. This is always yeah. something I find fascinating. Just going back to like the gay angle of this movie where. You know, you see films like Brokeback Mountain or Moonlight, which are made by openly straight people. And it is yeah. fascinating. Although those are not as overt as this is. This is way more salacious and extreme. Yeah. But it is fascinating the way that I don't know how freaking feels about gay people. Because, I, I, you know, he, on the one hand, he is sympathetic. But on the other hand, he seems to take almost sadistic pleasure in portraying them the way he does in this movie. I mean, he does take the um, neighbor character and he treats him as a just a normal everyday guy. Yeah. And I, I think that's because what, he's not involved with anything until the end. I think it also comes down to, again, it was the eighties, different times, but it's also, um, you know, this was, you know, you can watch this movie now and understand that part of the, the gay world is completely separate from regular gay world. Cause like at the S and M scene and regular gay people, the very few gay people that I personally know are into like hardcore S and M and, you know, I know you are, which is kind of the reason I, I think you're you're good you're a good call yeah. for this. Because... But the difference is, it's very much like a Jekyll and Hyde situation. Ninety nine percent of the time, I am nothing like that. But then during that one percent, let's party. Yeah, that's as soon as the gas breaks are off. Woo! Like you know me, I'm boring. I've seen as your fuck pictures. I've time. seen your pictures. God damn! I, I'm like you. Oh I've, oh, I've done more than that. God damn! You get off on this, like, Grant, I'm a fucking, I'm a loser. So it's like. <laughs> Hey, I mean, hey, remember, I hardly ever drink. I don't do drugs. I got to do something wild. You know, I just thought, is it possible Jeffrey Dahmer watched this movie and took inspiration? This is just something that I just had a hit of. I'm like, I think Bruce MacArthur did. Oh, probably. <laughs> because when you read about the MO oh, and then you yeah. see what happened in Jesus this movie. Christ, you're right. I guarantee you he saw this movie and he got ideas. Well, I mean, he did. I mean, for those who don't know, Bruce MacArthur is a killer in Toronto here. And that was something that was very similar to cruising the MO. And I should point out that I remember. And even the police response was similar. Oh, yeah. We have no serial killer. And then uh, we believe there are other victims. Uh, We fucked up. (laughs) Remember, they gaslit the community. They're like, why didn't you tell us? They had a dude who they didn't even they couldn't ID him. So they just put his like fucking dead picture up publicly and said, we don't know who this guy is, so if anyone could please just call us and let us know. <laughs> it was oh such God. a bad and bungled investigation. This motherfucker got away with got away with murder. It was only after he killed the white dude because he was killing um particularly uh, Middle Eastern immigrants yeah, who were closeted. Who were closeted. So, but when he kills the one openly gay guy, then people like well, then they take notice. That seems to be the mo when it comes to most crime cases. It, until the that, white that's, person, that's where they fuck up. Go after the white guy, and then then they'll come team. for you. Yeah. Yep. They fucking kind of catch him red-handed too. There was uh, they literally caught they him. caught him with someone with a I think a latex hood over his face, duct tape over his mouth, and no air holes. Oh my god. 
Yeah, I've read the arrest report. It's it's fucking horrifying. You're right. He definitely saw this movie. Yeah, because I was talking to you last night. I even said this could be remade today. Oh yeah, and no. you only just just have it be Bruce MacArthur. Oh yeah, no. It's something about this. That's one of the reasons I think this movie. It's exploitation, but it's more interesting than the average. Because like most exploitation movies are just about being sleazy and being offensive and. This film is sleazy and offensive, but it does it in a way with... It does it with more style, and it does it in a way that actually has a message. Yeah, like, this really is one of the greatest fuck cops movies I've ever seen. Like, just every... Oh, yeah. There's that scene where they raid the houses with the shotguns. It's just like, good God. Like, they were like fucking military men. They just go in and just bash that dude's head in with the butt of a shotgun. You're like, holy shit. Like, it's it's brutal. And they find Al Pacino tied up naked on the bed. Oh, and they, they think he... They don't know he's undercover. So they treat him like that's another thing I love too about this movie. It's like how fucked up it is to be an undercover cop. Um, we did our departed episode and we were like, man, this sucks. You can't even go. Well, he's lucky enough. He can go home, but like you can't tell people what you're doing daily. That's why he has to go screw his wife. You can't tell her like, who did you do work, honey? Oh, I watched a guy get fisted. Um, you know, and, uh, I watched a man blow another man and come on his face. That's, uh, yeah, that, that's some shit. It's, that's a weird day at work, you know? Usually some days, like, yep. if you're a cop, you're like, ah, pull the guy over this one. I watched literal a literal orgy happen in front of me. The funny part is, is that nowadays, those kind of hookup things wouldn't happen as much, at least in terms of the younger generation. Like, Ooh. I know Bruce MacArthur's victims were all in their 50s, right? Yeah, no, he had a very specific type. There are themes, theories that he had been hunting uh, for he had been doing murder since the 70s because there's a series again a series of unsolved murders in the 80s and 70s in Toronto that he very likely might have done because right. that for a first kill to do what he did that that's not your first kill that's someone who's perfected this shit over the course of a couple years and he had the panting business he buried them in the pots that was the fucked up part they had to go to all these houses and be like hey we gotta smash all your flowers uh, there might be human bones in there <laughs> that's fucked up like it yeah, it's, uh, oh God. There's that great picture of him dressed as Santa. And he looked like Santa Claus. And then you hear the testimony of his victims. You're like, oh my God, this guy's a monster. Oh, some of those people that survived him. Yeah, you know, and that's the other thing too. It's like, if we remade this now, Grinder would absolutely be involved. Like Grinder is like the- Grinder and Recon. Yeah, Re which Gr is Grinder has sort of made these clubs obsolete. Well, they're still around, but like no one goes to a club to hook up. You do it on Grinder now. Grinder was definitely an interesting phase. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> grinder! I'm surprised. I'm surprised no one has. Uh, I'm, I'm sure someone's killed with grinder. I just haven't read about it yet. Oh, there have been. Oh, there have. Like, of course, there have been. Some guy, the guy's the victim's name was Kevin Bacon, but wasn't that Bacon? <laughs> wow, that's so sad. Kevin, I think it might have involved cannibalism too. Oh no! Oh no! That's all. That's even. That's even worse. Did he? Was it? Was it? Is it sexual too? Not totally sure. I know it was based on Grinder. It's all about cannibalism that just adds, because we just brought up Jeffrey Dahmer, who I swear, had, he definitely has seen this, because I know he's a fan of The Exorcist 3. So I just find that funny when serial killers in the middle of their horrific crimes, they'd just be like, I like this movie. I'm going to buy this. You know, be careful, folks. If if you hook up, we got a lot of people in the community who hook up. Uh, be careful. Just... If you hook up, monsters. let someone know, and if the and if and tell them if I don't call text you by this time, go to the police. Yeah, go to the police. Hopefully, they'll do something. Because we gotta talk about the weird fucking shit with handkerchiefs in this movie. That is a main theme of this. It's a whole language. Oh man! And apparently, I, yeah, it has to do with like you go to the club and you go to Powers Booth and he'll give you these 
different colored handkerchiefs to say what you're in for. And yellow is golden showers, which, yeah, probably, obviously. My favorite scene is when Al Pacino's character is sitting at the, in the club, and this guy goes up to him and says, are you into golden showers? And Al Pacino's character goes, no, I just like to watch. And the character just looks at him and goes, then why the fuck do you have that tank, that hanky? I just, I just love that, it. like, it's like a whole fucking, like, the way freaking portrays these clubs is like, they're like something out of a sci-fi movie. It's all, like, coded yeah. language. And, like, and if you, like, look on, like, certain websites or even on, like, kinky Twitter, more or less, some of the stuff you see here is tame compared to the stuff I've seen. Like, I've seen things that make me just, like, pretty much just cower from horror. And people are getting inventive with their toys these days. I mean, there's only so far. Why not? I mean, there's only so far you can go. You got to spice that shit up. I mean, how far can I go without killing somebody? You'd be surprised. What is it with the gay community and so many bad fucking people, man? The problem is that it was secretive for so long. It was very easy for horrific people to get away with their shit. The way this movie ends too, it's like he just gets away with it. You know, I really do think because the, the going back to cruising, the ambiguity of that ending. And again, oh, freaking because you've got Karen Allen dressing as him, yeah. and then he looks right into the camera, and you're just like, "Oh, you son of a bitch!" You sick. And then it cuts to the harbor where they find the bags at the beginning of the movie, which again ties yeah. into I really do think freaking did this movie is like weird penance to be like, "Holy shit, I worked with a fucking murderer!" Like, oh yeah, <laughs> like I there, there had to had to have played a huge role in him doing this, but freaking himself is like he is so vague and not consistent about how he views uh how he views the ending of this movie because like one time he's like you know i wanted to be ambiguous i think al pacino did it and then the other time he's like no i i I don't think al pacino did it all i'm like what is it then god damn it you wrote the fucking movie and you directed it like come on man i think he just wants to be mysterious at this point i i that's not mysterious it's just being inconsistent like he god damn it like I mean, I, I'm pretty sure it's clear cut. He's the murderer, but I mean, it is. Yeah. It's wild. The first time I saw this movie, I was like, "There's a lot of the time, like, even when you see his face clearly, it's amazing what sunglasses and a hat can do to disguise you. Oh, yeah. Especially with that hair. And, you know, at yep. night. This, this, almost this whole movie takes place at night. And if you do watch this film, watch it after midnight. It's one of those movies. I did. Just, it hits so different at fucking night. Like, because there are movies you watch, it's like, you watch them in the day, but you watch them at midnight, you're like, oh, it just feels different. Oh, fuck yeah, this movie's awesome. <laughs> this movie's, the more we talk about it, the more I'm just like, yeah, this movie's disgusting, but it's just, you, you can't make movies like this anymore. Like, there's really no... Oh, no, this way. movie could never, you could remake this movie, but you could not truly remake this no, movie. No, you couldn't do it like this. You couldn't, you couldn't Like, have... you could take the plot and put that in, certainly... But you couldn't have that griminess because, like, a lot of the times, like, gay clubs are far more, I guess you want to say, open these days. Like, it's not near, like, it's not nearly as, like, underground. No, no, they're, they're, they're mainstream. They're, they're mainstream. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure if you went to one, it'd be very easy to find yourself getting rubbed against a leather daddy. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, whether you wanted it or not, you know. <laughs> exactly. Whether, whether you, you're going to get a whole bunch of it down there. But, uh, and it's part of that era, too, of the, like, Hollywood just did not give a fuck back then. This is before uh, Heaven's Gate ruins everything. We talk about Heaven's Gate a lot on this show, but it was like the... That really was the turning point with, um, like, studios not really allowing crazy shit like this, where, like, you would just go... You'd be friends with a mob boss, go film people at a gay club, and 
film 40 minutes of fucking and then and then no one questioned it. They're like, okay. Yeah, they're like, okay, it works for us. It took it took Michael Cimino blowing up a horse to uh, to end that really fucking fast. I also love like New York movies around this time. We talked about this, but New York in the back in the days before Rudy cleaned it up and turned it into Disneyland. New York was a fucking bad place. If you've ever watched any documentary about like the Son of Sam killings or stuff, or Taxi Driver, we're just it was oh yeah new york city it's shining clean image is relatively new no yeah rudy had to come in and clean up uh times square was loaded with porn shops just yeah. you could just go get, you could go watch people fuck on stage after 9-11 there was a benefit concert and adam sandler did um his opera man character from snl and he was singing about rudy Giuliani. he goes like you got rid of times square's porn <laughs> man what a fucking fall from grace that dude had, Jesus. I wouldn't up. say that's a fall from grace. I'd say that's more of a plane crash into New York City yeah, fall from true. grace. Basically. Although, really, he only had, like, one quote-unquote good day, which was 9-11. Yeah, Everything well, was just a I disaster. Think everyone, well, Bush was, was a... Everyone hated Bush until 9-11. Then it's like, whoa, George Bush. And then that that after 2004... You know, he spent seven minutes reading about Pet Goat while his chief of staff was like... New York City's on fire. That's one of the best pictures ever of any piece of history. That's whisper. Hey, um, yeah, the world's on fire right now. We should probably get the fuck out of here. And he's like, I want to know what happens to the sheep. You're like, Mr. President, goddamn planes went to the trade center. Meanwhile, the reporters are just getting it on their beepers. We're like, world is ending. Run for your life. God damn. That's a, I hate to go off topic, but for anyone who does not seen it, go watch 102 Minutes to Change America. It's... A documentary, um, it's just raw footage of the day, and you can feel the tension when you watch it as soon as that second plane hits. The Apparently tone... Neil deGrasse Tyson shot a lot of that footage. He was living in New York's he was living by the Trade Center at that time. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a there's a shot where like it goes through and it, it, the tone just shifts so dramatically. People are like leaving okay. their apartments, like, I don't wanna fucking die. Holy shit. Like, oh, yeah. From confusion to utter horror in like uh, a nanosecond. Literally, you feel it. It's it's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. It's because there's no interviews. There's no... There's no music. It's just... Story. It's story. literally... You're just in New York City bouncing throughout various locations. Like there's stuff in Times Square that's shot. There's stuff in Central Park that's shot. Lower Manhattan. Yeah. You just feel the panic building in the city. Absolutely incredible. Incredible documentary. But... I think we'll wrap this up now. Um, this movie's got a very complicated legacy because, yeah, it is... It's it's, Explo it's exploitation of the gay community without a doubt. Oh, my doubt. God. It's offensive. It's wrong. But it's also, like, I feel like time has been more kind to it because, again, you know, now we could look at this movie through the lens of, like, not all gay people do this, but also, you know, Freakin's vision is more clear of just being, you know, all cops or bastards kind of mentality is more apparent. And, you know, it's also interesting to view it as a, as a like a time castle piece of history, like everything that was going on. We talked about Harvey Milk's assassination. Uh, AIDS was just around the corner. So this movie really was a... Yeah, um, bathhouses were in full swing at this point. Oh, boy. Bathhouses, baby. Yeah, bathhouses. Goddamn. Those are... I, I can't... Are those still around? Or are they just... They are, but I don't think they're as popular as they once were. I, I have a feeling that... Nowadays, we just, nowadays, people just use the YMCA. The YMCA is so weird to me in the fact that, like, they advocate for christian advocacy and yet when you read about them in the 50s and 70s you're oh. like how is this not a setup to a gay porn oh my god the fucking village they literally thing. encourage men to be naked and be affectionate with each you other you can hang out with all the boys at the ymca come on man like what the <laughs> fuck else does that mean 
Nudity was required to swim. Dude was dude dude who's saying that also wore a cowboy hat in an Indian dress or Indian like hair getup, whatever that thing is. It's like construction men, like it was total gay shit. Uh, Although I think wasn't the lead singer of the of the village people married to um Priscilla Rashad? I don't actually know that. That might actually be worth looking into. <laughs> yeah, I think this movie's a times a little more kind to it. I don't think it's a great film. I think it's a narrative mess. This movie doesn't make any fucking sense logically. But oh, things just happen. Things at just points. happen. I don't even know. Like the, when it ended, characters show up and then they vanish off the face of the earth. I literally, when it ended, I had to rewind. I'm like, no, no way. We're just gonna end this here. <laughs> like, I oh, was yeah. shocked. How fucking fast it ended. There's a piece of time capsule filmmaking of a city and a culture. And it's just a, a grimy as fuck. It's a great movie to watch. A great double bill of this would be Dressed to Kill. Just like the worst yeah. Pride Month double bill imaginable. <laughs> that or uh, the New York Ripper, which is the Italian yeah. version of this. Which is way more oh, yeah. fucking disturbing. Ironically, you could use this movie as a way to prove just how far the gay community has come. Yeah, it's true, actually. This is, uh, yeah, we... Uh, I mean, although I'll say this, and we said this in a happy together, I kind of wish we had more gay movies like this, more just straight up vile, sick shit like this. Because we, me and me and Jordan both tried watching Bros recently, and just we had. To I shut refuse up. to watch it that. So I am fun. sorry. It, it looked so stupid. It is bad. Apparently, when Bros flopped, they blamed the homophobic audience, but the gay people were like, "Yeah, yeah we don't want to see it either." Well, we, I'm just saying, Knock of the Cabin was better gay representation. <laughs> They just, they just have it. Evil like, Dead Rise was better gay representation. <laughs> it was just a trans teenage dumbass. To hell with all this romance, comedy, drama bullshit. Give us exploitation, goddammit. So, exploitation, or show them getting possessed by a demon. I don't care. Yeah, so I, I appreciate this movie um, just for it being completely full on and a, a great visual. Like, just watching. This is a great movie just to watch and look at it. Because, again, there's a, the way it's shot, it is so grimy and disgusting. And... Uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, not not for faint of heart, uh, not for the easily offended. But if you're like us and you want something uh, something to close out Pride Month, uh, make you feel a little sick, this is one hell of a movie to do it with. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, until next time, when we'll uh, oh boy, we'll probably be doing the Flash next episode because. Um, Good luck. Oh man, I saw as soon as I saw Ezra Miller Barb uh, Mark waving those babies, I'm like, we're doing this movie, aren't we? And Jordan's like, absolutely. And the Oscar, the Oscar goes to Al Pacino. It's not Al anymore. It's Dunk. Dunkachino? Don't mind if I do.